theyeshiva.net. So we began a mimer of the Baal HaYortzei, the Baal HaYelula, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, that he said on Shabbos Parshas Koyrach, Gimel Tammuz, which is today Gimel Tammuz, Tov Shem Chai, 1958. Began on the words in Tehillim, Hasam Nafsheinu Bachayim V'loi Nosan Lamoit Ragleinu. He placed our soul in life and did not allow our legs to falter. He asked a few questions about that posik. Actually, one question, and then went on to discuss Kairach. We're still going to get back to the Hasam Nafshenu Bachai. And um, began focusing on the idea that Vayikach Kairach, Kairach took. What did he take? So the Targum says, the Unkelos says, Vayikach, he took. What did he take? He didn't take, he fought. He staged a revolt. So Rashi says, he took himself away. He, he separated himself from the collective unity created by Moshe, the Jewish leader, Aaron, the high priest, Vayikach. He took himself away. Rashi brings the translation of the Unkelos, Targum Unkelos. Vayikach Kairach, ve'ispeleg Kairach. Usually Vayikach is venosiv. You remember from Shnai Mikra Vecha Targum? Yeah, when you read the Targum, Targum Unkelos is something that is uh, very, very, uh, it's considered one of the most sacred and authoritative translations of Chumash. Every Friday we do, or Shabbos, do Shnai Mikra Vecha Targum. Vayikach Kairach is usually Vayikach is Venosiv in Aramaic. Venosiv is he took here. doesn't say he took it. It's Ve'ispele Kairach. Because what did he take? He split himself. He Ve'ispelik, he split himself away. He severed the cords between him and the divine prophet and messenger, Meishinabin. On this, the Noyim Elimelech, the Noyim Elimelech says that Ve'ispelik, he compares it to what? What happened on Monday. Hashem said on the first Monday of creation that the firmament should separate between the water and the water. On Sunday, it was all water. On Monday, there is now a split in the water. There's the water above the rakia, the firmament, and there's the water under the rakia, the firmament. That happens on Monday. So the Noyam Elimelech connects the two. The Ve'ispelik is connected to that first plukta, to that first split, <laughs> that first machlaikis in the water, which happened on the second day of creation on Monday. That's what the Noyam Elimelech says. And he gives a whole explanation there, the Noyam Elimelech. The Rebbe doesn't quote the rest of the explanation. Oh, thank you. But the Noyam Elimelech, the Rebbe Reb Melech, Rebbe Elimelech of Legends, gives a whole explanation, a very beautiful explanation. It's not for now, it's a whole mahalach over there, the Noyam Elimelech. The Rebbe, the Tzamech Tzedek, in Eir HaTayra, takes this Noyam Elimelech and develops it. And he says it really originates in the Zoyar, because the Zoyar says that the split in the water is the split between Smoil and Yemin. Machloikas Smoila Yemin. It's the, the disputation, the dichotomy, the Chalukah, the dichotomy between the left and the right. Left oriented energy and right oriented energy, which in Kabbalah is called Chesed. Loving kindness, benevolence, and gvura, which is strength, discipline, and boundaries. And that was the machloikas of Kairach versus Aaron. Kairach 
represents Gvura. The Leviim in Kabbalah are associated with Gvura. The Koyanim are associated with Chesed. We even have a Pasuk for this, remember? Tumecha v'urecha le'ish chasidecha. By Birches Koyanim they say, Shagadoshan v'tosav shalayim v'tzivona l'varches ama Yisrael b'ahavo. It's the only blessing where you put in the word with love. You don't say, Shagadoshan v'tosav v'tzivona l'haniach t'filin b'ahavo. Some people say, v'erastichli. You don't say, Shagadoshan v'tosav v'tzivona l'sativ b'tzitzis b'ahavo. You should all do it with love. You should put a mezuzah on your door with love and put on tefillin with love and put on a talus with love. By Berchus Kayanim, it's in the blessing because it's essential. It's not just a great thing you should love. Not only that, there's Allah and Shulchan Aruch, I think in Kufchav Ches, Hilchus Berchus Kayanim, that a Kayan who doesn't like somebody in the community, you shouldn't do Berchus Kayanim. Ba'ava is important. So the Kayan is associated with Chesed. Takavart from the Rebbe, he once said, beautiful vart, why is it that Tumas Metzorah is Tali Bekayin? But the only one who could look at a Metzorah, somebody who's a leper, and say, you're Tomei, is only a Kayin. You know that. You can have Moshe Rabbeinu himself, you can have the greatest Talmud Chachem in history. And he goes, and he looks at the symptoms, the guy has a white patch, in the skin, size of a grease, the hair turned from black to white, perfect Matsaida, all the symptoms. You don't even have to be a rocket scientist. Sometimes you do, but not always. And this great Talmud Chachem, the gone of the generation, says, you're Tame. He's not Tame. <laughs> He's not Tame. You need a Kayin. Only a Kayin is allowed to come and say that these symptoms declare you Tame. And the Rebbe asks, what's the logic? This is not like a bracha that he's giving. It's almost a scientific diagnosis. If you know the halachas of, of, of tsaras, and you know the symptoms, and you know how to study the symptoms, so you could know if he's tamay yatar. What's, what's it do with being a kayan or not being a kayan? Now what happens if the kayan in town, this is the halacha. What if the kayan is an amaretz? He's an ignoramus. He doesn't know the halachas. What is he supposed to do? Somebody is a leper, and they call out the kayan, eveisnesh. So you know what Allah is? He has to bring a Talmud Chachem. <laughs> he has to bring the great scholar. The great scholar has to tell him if the symptoms conform to the symptoms in Torah for Mitzayra. And if yes, he tells the Kayin, you could say Tame. And the Kayin says Tame, the guy is Tame. It seems, it seems strange. It would be like somebody has certain symptoms. They're not sure if it's a particular illness or not an illness. So they go to the doctor, they go to the great doctor, the great expert, diagnostician, he's really good at it. And says, sorry, sorry, <laughs> I can't tell you if you're sick or not, I can't. I could tell a child who's a Kayan, even a child, he's a Kayan, and he's going to tell you. What's the Havana? The Mepharshim has the question. The Meshachachma, Meisim Chakayan, has a whole explanation. So the Rebbe once said, Gaval de Kavart. But the Rebbe said it, uh, 1983, 
where the halacha is, you have to be quarantined. And not quarantined with your family. <laughs> quarantined, really quarantined, alone, to go outside of the camp. Even Tumas Mace, somebody who touches a corpse, it's a very serious impurity. But he remains within the camp, remains within the Jewish people. He can't go into Machina Shechina, but he's fine. There's other Tumas. The only Tumas where you completely, so to speak, are excluded, excluded from from Machina Yisrael, from the Jewish collective community, is Mitzayra, until the person heals, and then the person comes back in, and there's the process of cleansing discussed in Parshas Mitzayra. The Rebbe said the only one that the Rebbeinu Shalaylam entrusts to be able to give such a diagnosis and a verdict on a Jew is somebody whose soul vibrates with love, you can be the greatest, most brilliant diagnostician and scholar and Talmud Chachim in the world. But if you're not filled with empathy, with caring, with Av, if you don't see your mission as blessing the Jewish people, that's the mission of the Kayan, then you're not in the position of expelling him or her for Machina Yisrael. We cannot trust you, because if your heart is not saturated with infinite love, this diagnosis and this verdict is not accepted by the Torah. The Rebbe said, and if it's not accepted, it means it's wrong. So if I say you're a Metzayda and I'm not a Kayan, so then what happens? I'm saying something that's not true, because the Torah never gave me a right to say it. So then I'm being Moitzi Shemra. So the Rebbe said, so who's the Metzayda? I'm the Metzayda. Metzayda, the Gemara says in Erkin, is Moitzi Metzayda, Moitzi Ra, Moitzi Shemra. I become the one who's guilty of what I'm blaming the other person. And he said, when such a person gives a verdict, you know that he won't go to sleep until he does everything he can to help the person recover and recuperate and sober up and be able to be brought back as soon as possible. Of course, this is true physically in terms of the halachas of Matzayda, but it's a concept in life. I once said, before you throw somebody out of a school, before you expel somebody from yeshiva, before you make the conditions impossible for them to stay, make sure you're a kayan. Make sure you love that child like your own child. If you don't love that child like your own child, if you're not going to have a struggle falling asleep because this child is out in the street, then you're the one who should be expelled, not the child. So the kayan represents chesed. Kairach comes from the Levi, represents Gvura. The Machloikas of Kairach versus Aaron is the Machloikas of Gvura against Chesed. What does that mean? The Maimah is going to explain what that means. What's the fight between Gvura and Chesed? The right side, the left side. But that's what the Zoyer says. Says it's a Machzedek. That's the, what the, that's the connection the Noyim Elimelech is making. It's not Stamapsa connection. Because that split on day two was the split between Smoil and Yemin, Chesed and Gur, and that was the split between Kairach and Aaron. So indeed, the Ispale Kairach is a continuity, it's a continuation of the Rebbeinu Shalom split of day two, which means, the Rebbe says, it's not just that the Noyem Elimelech meant that every Machloikas is rooted in the first Machloikas. It says in Medrash, on day two it doesn't say Kitoiv, the only day where it doesn't say Hashem saw it's good. Every day of creation, it says Hashem saw and it was good. The only day that it says it wasn't good was when Mon doesn't say Kitav is Monday. Fascinating. Why? So what does the Medrash Rabbah answer? Gavaldic answer. 
Because boy, nivras machlaikas. <laughs> machlaikas is not good. <laughs> now, this is a funny thing that Rebbe's going to address in the Maimah. Who made this machlaikas? Who made the machlaikas of Monday? You and me? The board and the shul? <laughs> who made the machlaikas? The community? Some rabble rouser? Who made the machlaikas? <laughs> so you make the machlaikas, and then you say, oh, it's not a good day. No, so don't make a machlaikas. It'll be a good day. <laughs> A good to Shailat Absalom. The Abish to Machta Machlaikas. And then he says, by the way, it's not a good, it's not a good day. So stop the Machlaikas. It'll be a good day. You did it. Nobody else did it. Who made the Machlaikas on Monday? There were no people. Adam was created on, on, on Friday. And even then there couldn't be a Machlaikas yet because he was only one person. Okay, then he got split into Adam and Chava. There could be Machlaikas. But Monday, Monday is Hashem. He splits the water, that's machlaikas. He creates the machlaikas, and then he says, by the way, it's not a good day. Nishgut, no kitav on Monday. So what do we see from this medrash? All machlaikas comes back to the Monday of creation. Which is a very profound idea, because what it means is that every fight you see in the world, every fight you see in your family, chalila, every fight you see in yourself, Every fight you see in your company, in your community, in your organization, in your neighborhood, in your city, in your country, the United States of America. Every machlaikas there is, big and small, vicious and benign, is rooted in the first machlaikas, the first dispute. And what is that? The split of Monday. Shaboy nivras machlaikas. Now we have to understand what all this means. These are all the, these are what we call the props that are building up the foundation of the Maimer that the Rebbe will explore and uh, delve into. So Kairach's Machlaikas is certainly rooted in the first Machlaikas of creation of Monday. If any Machlaikas is rooted there, certainly the Machlaikas of Kairach, which was so loaded and so potent and so intense and had such catastrophic consequences. But the Rebbe says that's only one aspect of the explanation. It's much deeper. It's not just every machlaikas is rooted in the first machlaikas. It's that the theme of the machlaikas, the individual issue that this machlaikas was bringing up is also connected to day two because the day two is the split between chesed and gvura, the higher water and the lower water, and that was the same machlaikas perpetuated by Kairach, meaning Kairach was perpetuating day two of creation. Which, of course, leaves us wanting. Kairach was perpetuating the fight that the Rebbeinu Shaloyla made. So what do you want from Kairach? So he's a good man. He's perpetuating what God did on the second day of creation. So it was still very good. <laughs> he's continuing the cycle that Hashem made. So what do you want from Kairach? What's the big deal? It's a wonderful thing. Hashem made the Machlaika, so somehow there's something good about it. But then we say, no, it's not good. And Kairach is perpetuating it. Is it good? Is it not good? If Hashem did it, it has to be good. When Kairach does it, it becomes evil. And we see that even when Hashem does it, he's not going to say on it the word Kitayv. Interesting things, interesting ideas. Of course, this is all an invitation to be able to go deeper into the Pneumius, into the, into the Neshama, into the soul, into the soul of the story. Of course, he added as well that the two explanations are very much interconnected. 
because it's gvura that allows for machlaikas. There's a reason machlaikas happen on Monday. Gvura is what allows for machlaikas, because gvura is always about boundaries. There's you and there's me. If there's you and there's me, there can be peace. There can also be a disagreement. What's machlaikas? Machlaikas means we have two different perspectives. Whenever there is space, there are boundaries. In, in Hebrew, we call it yesh gvulot, yesh gvulot. There, there, there's borders, there's space, there's me, and there's you. We can get along, we can also have machlaikas. If there's all oneness, if there's only one person, there's no machlaikas, unless that person himself is not one person, is a split, is a split personality, then there's no machlaikas inside of me as well. You know that old line, right? What's the definition of chutzpah? You come to the therapist, you come to the bazil because you have a split personality, and then you want a group discount. So sometimes you have the group inside of yourself. Machleikas begins with gvura. So by kairach, wanting that gvura should prevail over chesed, that is the same idea of wanting machleikas to have real substance and legitimacy. Because machleikas comes from gvura. But then the question the Rebbe asks is... Kairach was a pikeach. He was a wise man. You have to say that there was some depth to his argument. If not, the Chazal would not call him a pikeach. They'd say he was a shaita. It's a fool. They say he was a pikeach. That means there was a serious error here. There was an error that was rooted in some idealistic interpretation of life. So I can understand a machleikas, what should be more important? Chesed or gvura? That's a, that's a legitimate machleikas. It's a machleikas. But what's the logic that machleikas should suddenly be idealized? Machleikas, according to this explanation that Kairach wanted machleikas. That's what the Gemara says in Sanhedrin, ain't machzikin b'machleikas. And whoever holds onto a machleikas becomes like Kairach. He transgresses the, the sin any machleikas. Even if it's a machleikas about, about renovation. Even if it's a machleikas about where we're going for Pesach. Well, not this year. Any machleikas, nothing to do with kairach. Any machleikas is rooted in kairach's machleikas. What's the connection? We're finding about something else. The answer is because kairach's nakuda is machleikas. Because making gvura more powerful than a chesed, that is connected to machleikas. But then what would be the havamina? What, what would be the logic? What would be the sophisticated explanation for kairach's pikchas, for kairach's wisdom to make machleikas a derech in session? The last question that the Rebbe addressed is, is the word kairach itself represents machleikas. It says kairach comes from the word, same word like kerach. The Navi in Yecheskel, the vision of Yecheskel says, he saw a heaven, rakiah, ke'en ha-kerach like the awesome ice. So kairach itself represents already the rakiah, even without vayikach kairach. Also, kairach comes from the word kireach. Kairach is kairach, kerach, kireach. Kairach is ice, which the Yecheskel says, sees in his vision that the heaven looks like ice. So that's already the rakia hamavdil of the Monday. But also kairach comes with kireach, which means a bald spot. We spoke about karachas hakerem. Whenever there's a clearing in a vineyard, like you have a vineyard and then many of the vines are uprooted and you have a bald spot, an open clearing in the vineyard, it's called karachas hakerem. Rabbi Yeshua ben karcha, hakireach hazeh, bald. Loisasu karcha, right? You're not allowed to... Uh, pull out the 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 the, 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 the when they would grieve they would make bold spots they would tear out their hair 
as a sign of grieving. So the Torah prohibits that. That's all the concept of Kav, which is what Machleikas is. Machleikas is you create a space, a gulf between two people, between two families, within a family. So Kairach itself, the name is associated already with the split. But here we're saying something else. The Vayikach Kairach is this Ve'ispale Kairach. So that means there's two phases here. There's phase one and then there's the Vayikach. What is the Haisafa Vayikach over Kairach himself? Kairach himself is already part of this, which of course, I hope you realize how this question is really the vista to the answer. You see why? Because this means there's Kairach himself, his name, which he didn't choose. He could blame his father or his mother. He didn't choose that name, Kairach. It's an interesting name to name a child, right? Ice and a bald spot, Kairach. And then there is Vayikach Kairach, what he did with his name. Two very separate things. And this is going to open up the Shar, the Vista, to the Lubavitcher Rebbe's explanation in this whole sugya, this whole theme. A name is not bad. Kairach is not bad. Kairach is Kairach. It's a certain reality. It's a certain identity. How you deal with it, how you interpret it, how you apply it, what you do with it, ah, that's where everything changes. It's the story that you associate with the reality that changes everything. And those of you who are psychologists and therapists know how important this theme is in life. The reality is the reality. It's the significance I attach to the reality. Lamashal, I have an instinct to do something or to say something or to think something. That's a fact. It's, I'm not delusional. It's a fact. The significance I attach to it, the story I associate with it, that makes your day or breaks the day. There's Kairach, and then there's Vayikach Kairach, what he did with Kairach. Siv Gimel. All of this will be understood by prefacing what is the concept of We remember again on the first day of creation everything was water. And Hashem creates light. What happens on Monday? There should be a rakia. And this rakia should be mavdil bein mayim lamayim. Should segregate, should create a segregation of machloikas in the water. What is the concept? What is this? What does it mean? So spiritually, it means as follows. The mayim hem tainuk. Mayim is associated with pleasure. Water is associated with pleasure on many levels. I think it's also something we all know in our own experience. When people go to the <laughs> people go to the water, the sight of the water, the smell of the water, the sound of the water, the touch of the water, and I guess also the taste of the water. On every level, it triggers a certain taino. It's a very very special uh, sense of relaxation and delight that people experience in the presence of the water. You go to the ocean, you go to the beach, even when you're looking at a sea, a river, a lake, even a pond, not a leak in your house, I don't know if that's more tainug, 
But Mayim is associated with Tainug. There's something about Mayim. It's true, people who live on the ocean maybe get used to it, maybe get accustomed to it. But I'm not sure. I mean, we get accustomed to everything. Tainuk, Tmidiene, Tainuk. Mayim is associated in, in Machshave, in Ashkafe, in Kabbalah, in Chsidis, with Tainuk. It's also the result of intimacy. We spoke many times about Mayim Nukvin and Mayim Dukhrin. The masculine orgasmic flow and the feminine orgasmic flow is called Mayim, the seed of life that comes from the husband during intimacy, that's a form of mayim. And as the Gemara says, Ein kishri there's an element of tremendous tainug that's considered the greatest pleasure in the physical world. It's also associated with that flow of water. And when the child is conceived, when the fetus is conceived, when the seed of life meets the egg and it creates an embryo, that embryo develops within water, within the amniotic sac. And of course we know, that most of our planet is comprised of water, and most of our body <laughs> is made up of water. I think, uh, where's the doctor? 70% of our body is made up of water, 60-70%. And uh, your blood cells, right? 90%, I think, 90% of the blood cell is made up of water. So water is not just essential to life, water is associated with the tainug, with the pleasure of life. He says, The reason that Mayim produces, it grows all types of Tainuk. When you look at what water produces, because for anything to grow, water is the essential component, it's the common denominator in all growth, and all the delicacies we have, and of course we're talking about the real delicacies, God's delicacies, the delicious, delicious fruits which have that unique and excellent combination of sugar together with acid to give it that tarty, delicious flavor, balancing the sweet and the spicy, the sweet and the bitter, where you're talking about a peach, or you're talking about an orange, etc. This is the tainug that Hashem gave people. We say, Never mind all the grain from which we also create quite a lot of pleasurable things. So Mayim is Matzmiach Kolmine Tainuk. It's because they have Tainuk. You can only give Tainuk to others if you have Tainuk in yourself. If you have Gishmak, delight in yourself, you can pass it on to others. I can't give you what I don't have. So Mayim possesses within it an energy of Tainuk. On the first day of creation, there was only one type of water. On day two, Hashem says, Suddenly there is a parsa. Parsa means a mechitza. Parsa is a mosach, a curtain, a veil. Parsa, the Targum, is the translation of Masach. It says by the Mishkan, you should have a Masach, a veil. The Targum says Parsa. So he says, Rakia HaMavdal is the Parsa. It's the split which creates a separation between spiritual pleasure and physical pleasure. Suddenly there's something called Mayim El and Mayim Tachtayim. Before the Monday of creation, there was only one type of Mayim. There was only one definition of Tainug. If I would ask you on the first Sunday of creation, if we were having this year, and I would ask you, what's the definition of pleasure? There was only one definition of pleasure. What was it? 
alignment with infinity. The definition of pleasure is the experience of truth, the connection of tr- with truth. That was the definition of Tainug. Tainug meant you're rooted and you're completely one with the truth and the core of all existence, which is divine infinity. That is the definition of pleasure. Because that's the source, the exclusive source of all goodness and all delight and all pleasure. What happens on Monday? There's a split. There's two types of Mayim. There's Mayim al me'al harakiyah. And there's Mayim Tachtoinim, Tachas There's the water above and the water below. And there is a Mechitza between them. What does this mean conceptually? There's two different definitions of Tainuk. One is, as he puts it, Tainuk Binyanim Ruchnim, and one is Tanuk Elam Haza. One definition of Tainuk is transcendent Tainuk. The pleasure that comes from transcendence, from connection with infinity, from alignment with divinity. But then there's a different tainuk. There's a different type of tainuk. Something that may be very material, in which I don't see the connection to infinity at all. But it's certainly triggering a lot of pressure. It's a lot of a tra- I don't have to tell you about the industry of pleasure in the United States of America or any other part of the world. It's one of the most powerful industries. Produces trillions of dollars a year in revenue. And gets the best in many of us. These pleasures vary. But the common denominator of these pleasures, it's mayim tachtoinim, it's not mayim alyoinim. It's not the tainug that brings me closer to my infinite divine core. It's a tainug that has its own facade. This in and of itself is so pleasurable. It can be a certain image, a certain website. It can be a piece of cheesecake. It can be a bissele covered. A bissele covered. <laughs> There's so many different types of tanugim. But the common denominator is you have to ask yourself is it mayim tachtoinim or mayim alyonim? Which tanug is it? Now, are they really separate? Are they really separate? Are they really one? Do they seem separate? What is really going on here? But certainly, Something happened on Monday. There's two sets of mine. What's the objective of this separation? What, what's the purpose of this havdala? Hamavdil. There's a havdala. The first havdala that the Rebbeinu Shalom made, that gemacht havdala. We make havdala mitzoy Shabbos, but the first havdala was not mitzoy Shabbos. The first havdala was Monday. Sunday night. What's the purpose of this Havdullah, of this gulf, of this dichotomy created? So he says, Through this separation of the lower water from the higher water, the lower water becomes elevated to even a deeper place than it was before the Yiridah, before the descent. By the water descending below the heavens, the water experiences a tzimoyen, a craving, a yearning, a pining to ascend. Mayim tachtoinim boichin anan be'inin lemeve kame malka. 
The Zoyar has an expression, as you see in footnote 25, Tikuni Zoyar, Toysvis Harosh, Rabbeinu Bechaya, Mayim Tachtoinim Boichen, the lower waters weep, Anan Be'inin Lemeve Kodamalka, we want to be in the presence of the king. Why have we been relegated to become Mayim Tachtoinim under the heaven? That's not fear. Mayim Tachtoinim Boichen, Anan Be'inin Lemeve Kodamalka, we want to go back before the king. And famously, what do Chazal say about it? That Hashem promised the water two things. On Sukkot, you know what we're going to do? On Sukkot, we're going to go down to the well and draw water, mayim, and bring the water to the Mizbeach and pour the water, the entire Yom Tov of Sukkot, every day in the morning. During sunrise, the Kayan would pour water on the Mizbeach from the wellspring of Shiloyach, as discussed in Mesechus Sukkot. And this created Simchas Beis HaSheyeva Ushaafta Mayim Besosan. This was God compensating, appeasing the water. The water is weeping. The water here on earth, which was separated from the water above the heaven, is crying. It's not fear. Shem said, don't worry, on Sukkot, they're going to bring you up to the king. They're going to bring you up to the Mizbeach. The, the second compensation was, the second thing was, Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar writes this in Vayikra. The second thing was, the Chazal tell us, all karbonas have to have salt. I'll call karboncha takriv melach. Depositing of salt, which is in water. The deposits of salt is another way where the water is elevated and becomes part of every single carbon had to be salted. You weren't allowed to put it on the altar to get consumed in the flames. If it was not first salted and salted thoroughly on both sides, every piece of fat, every piece of meat, the limbs and the organs of the animals, the meal offerings, even if you were burning a, a flower, it had to be salted. There was even a carbon eitzim. People could sometimes bring a carbon of wood, of lumber. It had to be salted. It's a very interesting halacha. I'll call karboncha takriv melach. melach me'al bris Rashi says, what's the bris elekecha? Parshas Vayikra. He says, Hashem made a covenant with the water. The mayim tachtoinim were upset. They were hurting. Mayim tachtoinim baichin. Shem said, don't worry. Every carbon is going to have salt. And sukkahs, we're going to pour the water. So what do we see from here? That there was a separation. And this caused the water to cry. The mayim tachtoinim. And therefore, he says, the water has a craving, a thirst to go, to go send. And through this thirst and yearning, they're elevated to a place that is much deeper than where this water was before the descent. Before the descent of the water under the rakia, the water was, was beautiful. It was great. It was all Mayim It was all higher water. By the water being split up from its colleague, and it becomes now Mayim Tachtoinim, which we call the lower water, which spiritually and psychologically and emotionally, what does this mean? This represents a different form of pleasure, a different form of tainug. Remember, Mayim is tainug, Mayim is pleasure. There's the higher pleasure and there's the lower pleasure. There is the divine pleasure and earthy pleasure. There's transcendent pleasure and there is pleasure that is materialistic in nature. Pleasure that is not rooted in our oneness with divinity. That's called Mayim Tachtoinim. The Mayim Tachtoinim cries. And through that yearning, through that pining, it reaches a much deeper place than it was originally.
It reaches a place that is even deeper than the higher water. This is the meaning of what the Chazal tells us in Medrash, and it's quoted in Rashi, Bereshis. On the Tuesday of creation, it says twice, Kitoiv. Hashem says twice that he saw that the world was good. Asks the Medrash, why twice on Tuesday? Every other day, it says once. So the Medrash says, because Monday was missing a Kitoiv. So that's why Tuesday had to have two Kitoivs. One was, one Kitoiv is that he saw that the work he did with the water, when he split the water, was good. And the second one is for what he did on Tuesday, the Melech Shaliyah. The Lechaida, this doesn't seem to make sense. Gewaldike question. On Monday, you can't say Kitoiv, the Medrash Rabbi says, why? Because Machleikas. Hashem doesn't say Machleikas is good. Okay, fine. So you don't say Kitoiv. So what happens Tuesday that suddenly the Machleikas becomes good? When you made the Machleikas, it was bad. Tuesday, you're like, Nishkefelech, mm, Machleikas was good. I don't understand. If Memonavshach. If the work in the water, splitting the water was a good thing, so then say Kitoiv on Monday. Say it was good on Monday. Elamai, it wasn't a good thing. Why wasn't it a good thing? Because it was machloikas. So what happened suddenly on Tuesday that the Monday's work becomes good and that's why Yoyim HaShlish is by Kitav. That's why Tuesday you have a double Kitav. Very difficult to understand. The answer is, And the answer to this is, and I want you to understand this well, on Monday it's taken not good. On Tuesday, retroactively it becomes good. You know why? Because there is the act and there's what you do with it. Monday is not good. Hashem doesn't say kitayv. On Tuesday, something happens that can redefine the significance and the meaning of what happened on Monday. Tuesday, what happens on Tuesday? Tuesday, dry land emerges. Monday, there's no dry land. Everything is water. Tuesday, Hashem says, Let all the waters retreat. Oceans, seas, rivers, lakes, wellsprings, canals, ponds, puddles. Dry land emerges. What are the conditions for us humans to live on the planet? We need dry land. We can't live in water. You can go into a mikveh, but you can't live in water. We're not fish. We need the living conditions of dry land because a person cannot live in water. So what does Yabasha represent? Creating a habitat for the human race. Adam and Chava would be able to be created. Without Yabasha, we can't live in the water. That's why you have to go into a, you could go in a boat. So Tuesday represents creating a world that becomes a habitat, a habitat that is conducive, a residence, a home for humanity. So he says, through Tuesday, what's Tuesday? Tuesday represents the beginning of the preparation for the avoid of a person. He is going to elevate. He's going to empower. He's going to be mevarer. He's going to sublimate the lower water. The 
On Tuesday, when the possibility was created to ultimately fulfill the purpose for the separation in the water, then retroactively, the Monday is redefined as good. The machloikis itself is of course not good. The Mayim Tachtoinim are crying. Why would you create this gulf? Why would you create this dichotomy? But on Tuesday, when the possibility was created, it didn't happen yet because there was no man yet. But when the possibility was created for the concept of Avoida Sa'adam, the human creativity to be able to look at the Mayim Tachtoinim and to identify the yearning, the void, the absence, the frustration that Samalacha Nafshi, the Kamalacha Besari, the Nichsef of Agam Kolsa Nafshi, the yearning and the pining of the Mayim Tachtoinim, that I don't want to remain detached. I don't want to be disconnected. I don't want to get stuck in this separateness. Because the truth is that everything is one. And the fact that I'm experiencing myself as Mayim Tachtoinim is really the dichotomy that was created on Monday, where I was distanced from my own source. And the Mayim Tachtoinim feels the void because it's really attached. It's really one. It feels this void. This creates such a powerful yearning that brings the Mayim Tachtoinim to a place that's even deeper than the Mayim Ulyoinim. As we'll soon see, Mayim, uh, we say every morning the Pasuk, Baruch Kvoid Hashem Im Kaima. Baruch Kvoid Hashem Im Kaima, the Rebbe used to say, comes from the Shalom, what's Rosh Hashanah's Baruch Kvoid Hashem Im Kaima? Boichem. Boichem is Baruch Kvoid Hashem Im Kaima. <laughs> what's the connection? Mayim Tachtoinim Boichem, Anan Be'inen Lamevi Kadamalke. You have to discover the Baruch Kvayd Hashem Mimkaymai from his place. Mimkaymai from his place. The Mayim Tachtoinim cries about this place. Why am I Mayim Tachtoinim? Why do I have to be, why do I have to go through this struggle? Why do I have to deal with this? Why do I have to deal with this darkness? Why can't my Tainug, my pleasure and delight, L'Chatchila, just come from oneness? Come from truth, come from infinity. Why do I have to experience the split in my life? The dichotomy in my life, the conflict in my life. Not knowing who I am. Not knowing what's going to give me real, real pleasure. Why is superficiality so attractive, so appealing? Why do the distortions of life allow me to be attracted to things that take me away from myself? You understand this question, Abaisai? Why are there so many things that are attractive and appealing that take me away from who I really am? That's a big question. (laughs) If it wouldn't be attractive and appealing, there would be no Maim Tachtoinim. Amechaya, Maim Tachtoinim Boichin. There's a lot of tears, a lot of pain. That's not good. That's Machlaikas. But you know what happens on Tuesday. Tuesday, there's a new reality. Tuesday, suddenly, now your choice comes in. Now there can be a person who looks at the Mayim Tachtoinim and says, I'm not going to surrender to the externality of it. 
I'm going to reveal the purpose of it. The purpose of it is that this tzimayin, this craving, this yearning creates a relationship between you and truth that's deeper than the relationship of the Mayim Elyonim. Ooh, suddenly it becomes kitayif. Now that the purpose is revealed, the purpose of the Havdalah comes out, is realized through the human choice and how we deal with the Mayim Tachtoinim struggle and frustration. Now, the Monday becomes Kitov. Retroactively, you redefine Monday as a good day. When? Only on Tuesday. That's why Tuesday has a double Kitov. One Kitov for the work of Tuesday, and one Kitov for the work of Monday. This explains why Kairach wanted Machlaikis. <laughs> this explains... Why would Kairach want Machlaikas? Ki I'm going to take questions in a few minutes. When we finish the actual Shia, I'm going to take all the questions. It'll be easier. Why did Kairach want Machlaikas? Ki Kairach Hashav. Kairach thought, Shakavon, Ebozer, Shemayim, Atachtoinim, Nivdalum, Amayim, Elioinim, Viyordu, Lamata, Hu Bishvil HaMayla, Sheyeshna, Batanugim, Hagash, Mematzma. Kairach believed that the reason Hashem separated the lower water from the higher water, and the reason they went and descended below, is because, listen to this, because of the uniqueness that exists in physical, material pleasure itself. In and of itself, there is something very powerful. The Shoyrish HaGashmi Yisru Lamayla Yosem Shoyrish HaRuchniyas. One of the great fundamental teachings in Chesidus Chabad, developed by the Balatanya, based on the teachings, of course, of the Baal Shem Tev, and many sources in Torah, but it's emphasized in the world of Chesidus, is the Shoyrish HaGashmius is Lamaylam Shoyrish HaRuchmius. The source of Gashmius is deeper than the source of Ruchmius. Strange, no? Our whole life, Gashmias is eh, eh, garnish, garnish, garnish. Ruchnis, Ruchnis, Ruchnis. But here the Rebbe says, Shoyrish Gashmias is Lamaila Mashayrish Ruchnis. So, one second. What are we teaching everybody? Our, what are we learned our whole life? That Gashmias is inferior to Ruchnis. Ruchnis is spirituality. Gashmias is materialism. But there's something very profound here that we have to understand, and we'll see how it all comes together. In the Shoyrish, in the root, Gashmis is deeper than Ruchnes. David Amelech has two expressions in Tehillim. We say every morning. Kulam bechachma sisa. Marabu masach. What does rabu mean? How many creations you have. The diversity. But there's another mizmer we say on Shabbos, you remember? Tzadik Beis. Mizmer shirli yoyma Shabbos. Toiv loydis l'ashem alazam alashem chelion. Lahagid babeke chazdecha. Vemunos chabaleles. Alei oser. Alei novel. Alei goyim bechiner. Etc. Kismachtani b'falech. Abmaisi yadach haranen. Magodlu maasecha. Hashem maidom kumachshu v'esach. What's the difference between kapitel tzadik beis, which you say on Shabbos, 
and Kapitel Kuv Dalet, which we say every day, Marabu Masecha Hashem Kulam B'chachma Asisa, right after Yoytzeroi. So the Balatanya says, Marabu and Magodlu represents two different qualities. Godlu represents quality. Rabu represents quantity. That's the basic difference. Godlus and Ribu. So he says, by the oil of Mesel, Yoinim, the higher spiritual worlds, on this David HaMalach said, Magodlu Masacha, how great. On the lower worlds, he said, Marabu Masacha. Why? Because here we see endless diversity, differentiation. You are you and I am I. There's a, every, there's every bush that's self-contained in every tree and every shrub, every leaf, every twig, every flower, every worm, every mosquito, every squirrel, every bee, every bat, every deer. I'm looking outside. Every deer and every single living and non-living entity, every organism and everything. Ribui. The definition of this world is ribui. Diversity. We don't see a oneness. You have to look much deeper to be able to see the common denominator of existence. The deeper science and physics are getting to the source, to the deeper elements. We see the Achdus Abriya. Today, we know that I share 60% of my DNA, I share with a banana. Whoever thought that I look at a banana and I see 50-60% of myself... <laughs> That's beautiful. And you look at a chimpanzee, and what do you see? You could see 98% of yourself. <laughs> I don't know if you like to hear that. But that's the achdus habriya. It's the achdus habriya. It means we're one, because we come from one. As somebody once said, <laughs> he said, whether you're an atheist or you're not an atheist, you have to agree that the whole world came into being by somebody who was using one dictionary. <laughs> There was one dictionary that was used for the whole, for the, our whole planet. One dictionary, DNA. <laughs> Basically, one dictionary. There's no separate dictionaries. There's a singular, a singular, uh, design. But that's the pnimius of the Bria, which we are discovering every year more and more. It's all a preparation for the Gula. When the whole world will be one. But what do we see? And what do we feel intuitively? We live in a competitive world. We live in a world of jealousy. We live in a world that if I take care of your needs, then I can't take care of my needs. We live in a world where there's natural conflict. If I take the spot in the parking lot, then you can't take the spot in the parking lot. If I give you the check, that money comes out of my bank account. On every level, there is ribuy, there is diversity. There is so many differences and distinctions. That's oylem es ha-tachtoyinim, marabu ma'asach. Oylem es ha-lyoyinim is ma'godlu ma'asach. Says the Balatanya, ve'inyin ha-ribuy meira ala shleimus de'en soif. And the endless diversity of our world represents the ultimate perfection of e'en soif, she'im ha-yoyseyachid hu'noyseigam ribuy pratim. That even though God is singular, nonetheless his singularity doesn't exclude the diversity. On the contrary, it encompasses endless diversity. In other words, the endless diversity of our world represents and is a manifestation for the ultimate unity of God. And that's why Shadish Hagashmi is deeper than Shadish Aruchnis. Because in Gashmi comes out, 
in Gashmis, there's a deeper achdus that comes out. That's one of the explanations why the shayrish, why in the essence, physicality is a deeper manifestation of ein soif than ruchnius. Ruchnius is holistic. Ruchnius is oneness. Ruchnius is magodlu masach. Gashmius is about differentiation, distinctions. Every physical entity has its space and its rights, and we compete with each other. The law of the jungle is the lions have their territory, the pride has their territory, and the, and the lion, the king, is going to protect that territory. It's not your territory, it's my territory. And even those of us who refine ourselves, so we refine ourselves, but naturally the world is a place of competitive interests on every level. I have my space, you have your space. I have my needs, you have my needs. And the two chimpanzees may be fighting over the same banana or the same nut. And there may not be enough nuts for everybody. So there's ribuy on every level. Comes the Balatanya and says, there's a sense of harmony, a sense of oneness. They all know that they're created by one source. In Gashmias, you see the real Ainsaif. Real infinity is expressed in infinite diversity. Ribuy is an expression of the Mittler Rebbe. Ribuy HaYizchalkos comes from Achtos Apshita. There's two types of oneness. There is oneness that is defined by oneness. And then there is oneness that's not defined even by being one. And that's the real Ein Saif. In other words, there's infinity that looks like infinity. And then there's a deeper infinity that doesn't even look like infinity. It's so infinite that it doesn't have even the limitation of being infinite. Because infinity can also be a limitation. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Infinity can also be a limitation. Because Hashem is completely one. What do we mean he's one? Not that he has a color, but it's an undefined oneness. So how do you express undefined oneness in the world? Something that's one and it's not defined by anything. How do you express it in a world of definition? And the answer is, you express it in endless diversity. Are you guys typhus what I'm saying or not really? You have two types of oneness. You have a oneness. You say something is one. When we say something is one, it means it has a color. It has a, it has a picture. It has a description. You say there's one type. This painting is only one. Ains in the welt. Ains in the welt. That's not achter sapshuta. That's not achter sapshuta. That means it's very expensive. You're not going to find another piece of art like this or another diamond like this. Achter sapshuta means it's the only one. It's a oneness that doesn't have a definition. It doesn't have a description. It doesn't have a hagdara. It's absolute infinity. How do we touch this oneness? How do you touch it? How is it manifested? How is it revealed? It's revealed in the opposite way. It's revealed in infinite diversity. <laughs> the undefined oneness cannot be revealed in one in one organism because that just captures a defined reality. Moshe Rabbeinu said, this is very deep, Moshe Rabbeinu says, Don't make an image of God. Don't turn God into a fixed image. So God is imageless. So God has no image. So how can any creature which has an image reflect God? You can't. We all have images. We all have statues. I have a picture. I have a description. I have a resume. So how does an undefined reality manifest itself in the world? The answer, of course, is never in one. It manifests itself in endless diversity. 
In other words, you have every conceivable image in the world, and each one of them captures something of oneness, not all of it. Kibitzalem elikim asa sa'adam is only Adam and Chava together. Because Hashem has no image. How can man be created in God's image when man doesn't, when God doesn't have an image? And the answer is, we become a reflection of God's image when we create space for the other. When you create space for me, when Adam creates space for Chava and Chava creates space for Adam, that's when they become B'Tselem Alekim. It's in the synthesis, in the unity of infinite diversity where you could capture the undefined oneness. So now when I look at the physical world, I could see two things. From a superficial perspective, I just see a world that's fragmented and divided and completely separated. Absolute machloikas everywhere. The world is based on machloikas. I don't mean here machloikas as a fight. Machloikas, I mean as divisions. And that's how it is. I am I and you are you. On a deeper level, this is the only truth that manifests the true unity of Hashem. The true unity of Hashem is... That his achdos is not defined. So because it's not defined, so therefore how is it expressed? It can't be expressed in one, in one picture. It's expressed in the fact that there are endless, endless images. There's endless diversity. There's infinite diversity. And each one reflects the undefined achdos just like the other one. And together we create a jigsaw puzzle that teaches me that my individuality is part of the truth, but it's not the whole truth. But when my individuality connects with your individuality, so the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle come together, so now we capture that achtos hapshuta. So in that sense, the gashmias, the diversity of gashmias, represents a deeper unity of the ribayna shalaylam than the holistic energy of ruchnes. Kairach understood this. And therefore, Kairach's taina is, you know why Hashem separated Mayim Tachtonim from Mayim Elyonim? Because of the Mayim Gashmias itself. <clears throat> and that's why he wants that the Gvudas should prevail. I'll explain this in the next year. It's, it's, it needs some time. I'll explain the next year. I'm thinking since it's Parshas Kairach, even though I didn't plan it, we'll have a shir tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning, Friday, 7.30, Blineda will have a shir. We'll continue this. I don't just want to leave you as a mamish uh, in the middle of uh, the suspense of a paragraph. So uh, I'll see you tomorrow morning, 7.30. I'm going to take some questions now. Before I take the questions, I'm just going to remind you that today, 1.30 p.m., we're going to have a Fabrengen in honor of the Lubavitcher Rebbe's yard site today. That's going to be in Hebrew, uh, streamed live on Kikara Shabbat or on the yeshiva.net. And 8.30 tonight, you're all welcome for a shir in Lekutei Sichis Parshas Koirach, a beautiful sikh of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Baal Ha'ilula, on the power of human thought, how your thoughts affect your reality in Halacha. In Gemara, in uh, science and psychology, how your mental space affects your reality. That's going to be tonight, 8.30. And tomorrow morning, we'll have our shear, 
7.30 a.m. Let me go to the questions. Okay. So uh, I see the first question is, we spoke that koyhanim are the attribute of chesed. Were they, is this an inherent blessing in them? Yeah, it says in Zohar that the souls of koyhanim come from the heichel ha-chesed, from the chamber of kindness and love. This doesn't mean that a koyhan doesn't have to work on himself. What it does mean is that the soul of a Kayan is specially connected with this realm of chesed. And as you know, sometimes it can even be a greater challenge because whenever you're connected to something very deep, so the, the Gemara says, Kol ha-gadol gadol In Masech when you're greater than somebody, the Yitzhar is also greater. So sometimes the Zelo Umazeh, the opposing force, can also be powerful. So the Kayan sometimes has to struggle with it. But this is a gift that's connected to the soul of a Kayan, to Mechavurecha That's why Kayanim were given the mitzvah of Birchis Kayanim. Why were they given the mitzvah to bless Jews? Why were we not given that mitzvah? What's wrong? We can't bless Jews. So we should all bless Jews. Every Jew should bless Jews. But apparently there's something unique in the Kayan, and that's because the connection of the Kayan to Chesed. In terms of the second question, the salt and the water, well, salt obviously is uh, is a product of water and it's found found in the waters and as a result of that giving putting salt on the carbon was a way of compensating and appeasing the waters now you'll ask how does that help the water the fact is that it's becoming a carbon it's going up to hashem the water was crying that it was expelled it's distant from hashem so hashem said don't worry we'll bring you up by the Nisachamayim of Sukkot, pouring the water, the libations on the altar, and becoming part of an offering that goes up to God, this was a way of compensating for for the for the water. I don't see here the website with the comments. If somebody wants to read the comments, because I I don't know, it's not it's not coming up here. So if somebody wants to read the comments, okay, I think we'll just stop here now. I'm sorry, I can't go into the web page to read the comments. But I'll try if there's any questions to uh, respond either tomorrow or in writing. So you could check later or tomorrow. And I wish everybody a beautiful and meaningful and inspiring day. For those who are going to return here, one thirty, wonderful. And for those who are going to return here, 8.30, wonderful. And for those who are going to return here tomorrow, 7.30, we look forward to see you. You should have a very uh, powerful, it's a very, very uh, auspicious day today. A day to be able to connect to the light of the tzaddik of the Rebbe, and uh, to be able to internalize his teachings and his Hashkafa Asylum and his perspective and his Nisham and the air that he brought into the world, and may we have a uh, meaningful day, an inspiring day, and an, an uplifting and empowered day. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.